It's time for JT the Brick. The Raiders need a wake-up call right now. If you don't progress and get better, they will cut you or trade you. You don't throw the ball out of bounds when you're down eight. There is no excuse for that. Everybody knows that my philosophy is to play faster. Don't huddle up when you don't need to huddle up. Make the play simpler. Run simpler plays and run them faster. Run them until you're blue in the face and don't leave practice until the janitor says we're closing the lights out. You guys got to go home. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. We're going to run it. Give the ball to Devontae, Jacoby, and Hunter and Michael Mayer. I don't care who the sixth receiver is. JT the Brick. Too many people are getting comfortable. Smarter, faster, more explosive players who are disruptors. Everything that you could read that was negative and wasn't positive in this game, I gave you in the first five minutes of the show, and I do it five days a week on my radio show. There's no sugarcoating here. You're a Raider fan. Act like it. Get behind the team. And now, uh oh, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back to the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio, right there on the Raiders mobile app, lvsportsnetwork.com, brought to you by Modelo, the fighting spirit of Modelo, the number one beer in America. And quick reminder, Modelo is also my partner on my live stream on YouTube, which I'll be doing tonight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. For those who are listening back east, and everywhere in between, really easy to subscribe to. Go to YouTube and just subscribe to JT the Brick YT. That's where I am, and it's building nicely. And we hope a lot of this audience, which is able to watch the live stream, when I do that a couple of days a week, can jump in on the live, live, live stream that I do at night. And I do that a couple of nights a week when I'm not on the radio for SiriusXM. Want to stay busy? If there's breaking news content, I'm able to jump in there. A little bit of Raiders talk. Some broad Raiders talk when it's a big topic, but general sports talk, and we'll do that tonight. Brought to you by Modelo. want to thank Modelo for not only sponsoring the radio show, but also the live stream. That means a lot to me. I want to give full credit as I jump in this segment for Tashawn Reed at The Athletic. He wrote a really good column that was posted, five options for Josh Jacobs, Raiders with NFL franchise window open. Really good column. Tashawn's really good. He's got tremendous access to the team. And with The Athletic, along with what Vic Tafer does, it's something that is mandatory reading when it pops out here. And I wanted to comment on that. So, again, as I begin, all credit to Tashawn Reed for his column that I saw this morning when I was done walking the dog and had a cup of coffee, sat out in the backyard and uh, tried to get the weather gods to cooperate as hopefully he'll start warming up here. So I'm going to read a lot from what Tashawn wrote today if you didn't get a chance to read it and become a member of The Athletic and you can see it yourself. Talked about five options for Josh Jacobs. As we begin, I want to make this statement. I never, ever talk about Josh Jacobs' money. Never do. Because I don't know Josh well. I've interviewed him only once. Here, as he's been a Raider, he doesn't do a lot of podcasts, interviews. He's a pretty private guy, which is great. And hopefully if he... Here, if he's here long-term, which I think he should be, and if he's a Raider forever or he comes back once a Raider, always a Raider, someone I really respect. I think that in his short career with the Silver and Black, he has made his mark as one of the great Raider running backs over a short period of time in his career. And on that list is Marcus Allen, who we see all the time here in Vegas. I mean, everywhere I turn, I see Marcus now. And Marcus sits with Mark Davis. He golfs here in town. He does live appearances. Marcus Allen is a legendary football player, not only a Raider, but he was a Kansas City Chief and had a great career there too. And one of my proudest accomplishments being with the Raiders was getting the first interview with Marcus when Mark Davis brought him back to 
light the torch to patch up the relationship with the Raiders because we all know that Marcus was in an impasse with a contract, the Bo Jackson years, Mr. Davis and Marcus Allen butted heads back in the day, and Mark Davis patched it all up, which is another great moment for Mark Davis in regards to the alumni of this team and how much he cares about it. That was important for Mark to bring Marcus Allen back, and I conducted that interview uh, before he lit the torch, and it's one of my fondest memories in my career with the Silver and Black. Also, Bo Jackson, where I see more Bo Jackson jerseys still at a Raider game <clears throat> or wherever I go. There's Bo Jackson jerseys everywhere because Raider fans love Bo. And then the hip injury, what happened in the Bengals game, shortened his career, went on to play baseball, and Bo was one of the greatest college players of all time, could have been one of the greatest running backs of all time, a Hall of Fame-type talent, but he didn't play long enough. But still, loved by Raider Nation. And then you go to a whole bunch of other running backs. Clarence Davis. You go through the history of the great backs in the history of this team. And Mark Van Egan. All the legends. Clem Daniels that I had a chance to meet in my career here. They were all legends and great. Zach Crockett, friend of the show. Tyrone Wheatley lit the torch last year. John Ritchie as a fullback. Marcel Reese, a great fullback. All the players that carried the ball for the silver and black in their great years. I don't want to forget everybody or anybody here, but you get the point here. Now Josh Jacobs comes along, and Josh has put up some big numbers, but he didn't last year. He was injured at the end of the year. His production was down significantly, and Deshaun wrote all about it. So he he starts off the column. <clears throat> Excuse me. For the second straight year, the Raiders have Josh Jacobs, a Josh Jacobs decision to make. As it stands, the running back is set to become an unrestricted free agent when free agency begins on March 13th. So we know about that, and the Raiders have some options. As Deshaun Reed wrote in The Athletic, if the Raiders want to, however, prevent Jacobs from being able to freely test the market, starting on Tuesday, NFL teams were able to start placing franchise or transi uh, transition tags on players. The Raiders have not done that with Josh Jacobs yet. So let's quickly talk about this column in the history of Josh. The Raiders placed a tag worth about $10.1 on Josh last year, but he never played on it because he refused to sign it. Remember, big part of last year. Last year, a couple of months from now, a year ago, Josh Jacobs held out because he didn't want to sign the franchise tag, and he had the right not to sign it. Ultimately, Josh and the Raiders agreed on a one-year contract worth up to $11,791,000. I thought that that was light for every running back. Remember, the market for the running backs crashed last year, literally crashed like the stock market, and we all started knowing that running backs were a dime a dozen. Not Josh. He's one of the top running backs in the league, but everyone else behind him, you can get a running back to play for cheap. The price for the franchise tag this year is higher for Josh Jacobs than it would have been otherwise. Players who are franchise tagged the second time receive a salary equal to 120% of the previous season's salary. So Josh made $11,391,000 last season, and he missed out on four games of pregame active roster bonuses, which were worth $100,000 per game. So as Deshaun calculated this, the franchise tag number would be $13,669,000. That's a lot of money for a running back, even Josh Jacobs. So as Deshaun wrote, the Raiders are in line to have some cap space 
Over the estimates, they'll have about $35.2 million. A little bit of that Jimmy G money also thrown in here. Uh, that's still a large cap hit for a running back. If you have $35.2 million, and we're talking about a number with Josh Jacobs of $13.699, that is a lot of money. So Deshaun wrote the argument against using the franchise tag on Josh is that he's coming up posting career-low marks in rushing yards. Career-low, 805 yards, 3.5 per carry, and 1,100 yards per, from scrimmage, and he missed the final four games due to a quad injury. Missing four games is a lot for a running back. So the Raiders are better off handing the starting role. There's a case to be made that the Raiders are better off handing the starting role to Zeus, Amir White who played well in Jacob's absence. And Zeus is a big-time college player. Josh came from Alabama. Zamir White came from Georgia. Big-time players. But Deshaun pointed out the year that Josh had when he was an All-Pro in 2022. And with still, he's only 26 years old this season, and he's an important locker room presence. Look, we know that Antonio Pierce loves Josh Jacobs. The interviews I've had with him ahead of games, it was always about getting Josh the ball, when Josh was able to play in that hunt to try to push for the playoffs, he was a big part of that team. Uh, Antonio Pierce took over week nine, and maybe with improved help from the offensive line, he could have a big year coming up in 2024. I believe that. I believe that Josh could have a big year in 2024. He's completely healthy, coming off an injury. He's young, 26 years old. Let's, let's, let's stop with this throwing running backs out of the league at 28-29. Uh, take a look at some of the size of these guys and what they're able to do and how un- Derrick Henry is a beast. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter and see the workouts he's doing now. It's insanity what he's doing. He's not slowing down at any point in time. So here are some of the five reasons. I know I've been going on for a while here. Let me get to the meat of Deshaun Reed's column that he put out at The Athletic. Franchise tag Josh. This really wouldn't be an ideal outcome for either party, I agree. For Jacobs, he would still lack the long-term security that he's been looking for. The Raiders could make roster cuts and restructure deals and create additional cap space, but I don't think the franchise tag for Josh Jacobs makes a lot of sense. I don't think he'll be happy with it. I mean, he'll be happy with the one-year deal and the amount of money, but he's looking for something long-term. Number two, sign Josh to a multi-year contract. I think that's the best idea if they can find a way to make it fair to Josh, but also team-friendly, if they're able to do that. Remember, I'm not mentioning Josh's money. That's him and his agent to negotiate. But Tom Telesco and Antonio Pierce, since they've been hired, you know, they haven't engaged with extensive talks with Jacobs, which I didn't expect them to do. Deshaun wrote, it's hard to gauge with their level of interest in committing to a long-term deal. We don't know. We don't know Tom Telesco as a Raider general manager and what he wants to do with the running back position. No idea what he wants to do. Austin Eckler he had with the Chargers. He's in a similar situation in regards to his long-term prospects there. So that's something we're going to have to figure out and talk about with Tom Telesco. Tashawn wrote, the benefit is that it would give the Raiders team control at a set rate for multiple seasons while lowering his cap hit in the early years of the deal. So remember, Jonathan Taylor got a three-year, $42 million contract extension from Indianapolis when he was kind of injured and holding out. His cap hit was only $5.1 million in 2023, but it escalates. It goes up to 10.8 this year and the following year, 15.5. 
in 2025 and 26. Again, I don't know what Tom Telesco wants to do. The other one I think is pretty unique. You can tag Josh Jacobs and trade him. If the Raiders don't want to pay Jacobs but also want to lose him for nothing, they could franchise tag him with the intention of finding a trade partner. That's what happened with Devontae Adams with Green Bay. Green Bay tagged Devontae before he was traded to the Raiders. That, to me, seems pretty complex and a big risk to tag him. And then you got to find a partner who's going to pay Josh Jacobs. And he's going to have a lot of suitors out there. But who's going to want to go pay for him on a franchise tag number and trade with the Raiders? Uh, the fourth op- option, sign Jacobs to another one-year contract. Ooh, that's dicey because, as Deshaun Reed wrote, this is probably even less likely. If Jacobs tests unrestricted free agency, it's hard to imagine that a team won't offer him a multi-year contract. I agree. There's some teams in this league. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Again, the Dallas Cowboys are going to be in the market for Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs if he's available, and Saquon Barkley. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys, I thought, should have won the Super Bowl last year. I thought they were great. And Tony Pollard's a good player, but he's not as good as Josh Jacobs. Jerry Jones is in the hunt to get a running back who can get him a Super Bowl ring again. So there will be suitors for Josh Jacobs. And then finally, the last one, which we hope that doesn't happen, let Josh Jacobs walk in free agency if the Raiders don't want to absorb the short-term cap hit for the franchise tag, don't want to commit to Jacobs long-term, and don't believe they can trade for him, they can let him walk in free agency. And that would be a rough end to the tenure of one of the best running backs in team history. But as Deshaun Reed said, it's plausible. And that's how the column ends here. Telesco and Pierce are willing to make, as they prioritize building a sustainable winner, what will they do with Josh Jacobs? It is pretty complex, everybody. It is. I I don't know what you want to do here. I'd like to have him back because I think he's a hell of a player. But as I've been talking about, the Raiders need a right tackle and the Raiders need to improve the interior of that offensive line. And two years ago, when Josh Jacobs became an all-pro, not a pro bowler, an all-pro, the highest honor you can have, he ripped up this league. He tore it apart. It's kind of the same offensive line, right? It's, it's similar to the same offensive line. So for Josh Jacobs, what I would do is I think what Tom Telesco and Antonio Pierce are going to do. They're going to negotiate. They're going to see what's best for him, which probably won't be the franchise tag. That doesn't benefit either side, I believe, because of the hit to the Raiders and Josh Jacobs not wanting to play on a franchise tag. And they got to come up with a number that's important for Josh Jacobs to stay with the Raiders, that's competitive to the Raiders and makes Josh happy. What that number is, I don't know. But the franchise tag of over $13 million, a contract of over $11 million, in that 11 to $13 million number with the cap going up for every team, you know, some people might think a running back is worth, on, on the high side, $14, 15000000 million. But what they need to do is make sure that they think this one out. Because I think Zeus is ready to be a featured back. He's young. He, he looked to be really physical and understood the playbook. I don't think he's as good of a blocker yet than Josh Jacobs. He's clearly not the locker room guy, Zamir White, and that's something he's going to have to grow into in time. He's not that guy now, but he can grow into that. So Zeus is ready to run the ball downhill and be a beast and have unbelievable games. I'm really confident in that, but he's not Josh Jacobs. And if you're like me, I believe this is a playoff roster. I believe this is a roster that can win and get to the playoffs and win playoff games if the Raiders thread the needle and have one good draft 
and one year of free agency. I'm not looking at two, three years down the road. I'm no longer going to do that with Devontae and Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs here still predicting he'll be here. This is a team that needs to win now. It's not about building for five years. No, that's not what this roster is about. This roster is about winning this upcoming season. Are you better with Josh Jacobs? Hell yeah. Do you have a chance to win some games on the road in the snow, inclement weather, in the dome, whatever it is? Because Josh Jacobs is running the clock out with three minutes to go, picking up first downs? Absolutely. Do we have now a new offensive coordinator who wants to run the ball? Absolutely. Antonio Pierce gives us hints all the time. He wants to run the ball. So if Josh Jacobs is not here, it'll be Zamir White and another running back at a much cheaper price. Much cheaper price. Or it'll be Josh Jacobs and Zamir White, which I believe gives the Raiders the best chance to win. I don't have the number. I don't have the years. Either do you. But I'd like to hear from you at 702-365-9200. Again, thanks to Deshaun Reed for this content today. It's lean out there. You know, Joe Philbin is a, is a topic. I can talk about a quarterback coach. That's not going to rival everybody and get everybody in a frenzy. Josh Jacobs should be able to do that. So your opinion this hour on what he's worth, what you think he's worth, what you think a fair deal is, do you want Josh Jacobs back or do you want him to use that money elsewhere and keep Zamir White and rebuild the offensive line or upgrade it, maybe get a defensive tackle or a pro bowler at right tackle where that money could be spent wisely? I love the play of Josh Jacobs. He's a great Raider. I hope that he's back. I want him to be back, and I think he can help the Raiders win, get to the playoffs, and win playoff games as we continue on. That's brought to you by our great friends, and they are fantastic now. We got a lot of properties that we promote here on the show, as you know, but the M Resort, we were just over there throughout the Super Bowl, a couple of events there. Max Crosby was doing an event there. We were outside with the Dick Jaws event. If you're looking for lunch, dinner, an opportunity just to have a staycation, when the summer comes around, there's always great events at the M Resort Spawn Casino. That's proud partners of the Raiders and my partner here on Raider Nation Radio as we continue on the flagship. The Daytona 500. The winner will be the 24. We'll need the 24 to start finish line. Goes to victory lane, William Byron. JT, as we continue here on a Wednesday, feels like a Tuesday, might feel like a Thursday. Uh, Wednesday, February 21st, brought to you by La Casa Cigars. My buddy Mike, I'm going to head over there this weekend and recalibrate with a beautiful cigar when I was in Maui didn't have many cigars out there put them down had one on the golf course I'm going to reconnect at La Casa Cigars Tivoli Village over 500 cigars in that giant walk-in humidor live music seven nights a week great place to watch sports maybe if I was in town I would have watched the Daytona 500 there and I got a great guest right now. As you know, Las Vegas has two NASCAR races, a regular season and a playoff race. We are a NASCAR community here in Las Vegas. And I love the Daytona 500. Uh, one of the guys I've been interviewing now for 20 years, the legendary crew chief, Larry McReynolds, kind enough to join us as he settles off the race on Monday. And we get him today on the flagship on Raider Nation Radio uh, Larry Mack, one of the great crew chiefs of all time, was the crew chief for Dale Earnhardt Sr. 
when he won his only Daytona 500. Larry Mack, thanks for joining us. I know there was a bit of a rain delay, but a lot of things happened. The race ended under caution. Let's begin by talking about some of the highlights, some of the great moments of the great American race. Well, first and foremost, the highlight that just blows me away is the fact that we had the Xfinity Series race get rained out on Saturday, and then the actual Daytona 500 got rained out on Sunday, had to run a doubleheader yesterday afternoon last night. And if you looked at the grandstands, you would have never known these races mm-hmm. got postponed until Monday. It was an amazing crowd, which just which was really warm my heart to see that. I always <clears throat> get so sad when I see a race get rained out on Sunday and so many fans <clears throat> have to pack up and go home. And this was not the case this weekend. But, you know, Hendrick Motorsports, the last time they did not have a driver qualify on the front row was 2014, 10 years ago. And that was actually the last time they won the Daytona 500 and that was with Dale Earnhardt Jr. So they come to Daytona this time, and I'm not going to say they qualified bad, but they did not have a car qualified on the front row. But through the virtue of some good handling, good driving race cars, a lot of surviving, they ended up getting that ninth Daytona 500 win for Hendrick Motorsports, a 1-2 finish with William Byron and Alex Bowman. And uh, Kyle Larson ended up finishing 11th, not too far outside the top 10. Chase Elliott kind of got shuffled out there. But the big talk the entire time we were down there was about the Fords and the Toyotas. Fords dominated qualifying on Wednesday night. Toyota won both dual races. But at the end of the day, when the checkered flag waved on the Great American Race, it was about those Bowtie boys. William Byron wins, and you don't have to win the overall title. And maybe you never win a title as an individual driver, but if you win the Daytona 500 once, you go down as legendary. Your name is on that trophy. Larry, give us a couple of examples for that, from Dale Earnhardt Sr. to Jr., who you just mentioned, Davey Allison, other drivers that you were worked and paired with that would win the great American race and understand the gravity when they got into victory lane, how important it would be on their legacy. Well, I was fortunate enough, to get my second Daytona 500 win with Dale Earnhardt Sr., Richard Childress Racing, in that three-car in 1998. It was his 20th year of running the Daytona 500 and and just came up short. Always led laps, always ran up front. It's just something happened. You know, he'd have a flat tire on the last lap. My first year with him in 1997 with about 12 or 13 laps to go, we got hooked in the left rear and was barrel rolling down the back straightaway. He even hit a seagull one year and killed the nose of the race car. I knew how bad that man wanted to win that race because he had won everything else at Daytona you could think about multiple times. Xfinity, the Clash, the Duel, IROC, the Summer Cup race. He just had not won the 500. And I know how much it meant to him when we finally won that race in 1998. You know, the thing about winning the Daytona 500 is when you win it, they call you a Daytona 500 champion. It's the only race we run where they call you a champion. If you win Talladega or you win Charlotte or you win Pocono, they don't call you a champion. They just, they call you a race winner. But when you win the Daytona 500, they call you a Daytona 500 champion. It's been, you know, 
so many years since I won my last Daytona 500, got the first one in 92 with Davey Allison, 1998 with, with Dale Earnhardt over 25 years. And even today, people introduce me at, at luncheons, at dinners, at appearances as two-time Daytona 500 championship crew chief Larry McReynolds. This is the one race, when you win it, it stays with you the rest of your life. Larry McReynolds, kind enough to join us as we're recapping the Daytona 500. The fourth and final caution came when Alex Bowman hit Byron from behind. Uh, Byron sideswipes Keselowski. It's a 23-car crash, and Larry, as a former crew chief, if you're in it and you're in it late, you want to do anything to get to the front and win the great American race. What's the issue when a race ends under caution, when all those great fans want to see a clean finish? Take us behind the scenes. When you know it's coming, the big one's coming, it might come late, and it has an overall effect on the finish of the race. Yeah, you know, we ran 192 laps. It's a 200-lap race, and 192 laps, and we only had three cautions. We had a caution at about lap five for five or six cars on the front stretch, and then we had the two cautions for the stage breaks at the end of stage one and the end of stage two. But you know, you can see it coming. It's like a rubber band that's twisting tighter and tighter and tighter, and all it takes when you're running three wide, seven, eight, nine rows deep, is for one guy to make one wrong move. And to your point, we got almost half the field involved in that, that accident on lap 193. But we did go back racing with about four laps to go, and then we had the caution on the front stretch between the one and the two car, and the rule is, the protocol is, once we've taken the white flag, this, this rule has existed for a long time, once we take the white flag, which indicates one to go, the next flag ends the race, whether it's a mm-hmm. caution flag or just a straight-up checkered flag, is that something maybe that needs to be looked at or addressed? I, I don't know. I could probably make a case either way. But, you know, it's kind of think about a, a really good football game and one team uses up all their timeouts and the other team maybe has a, a one-point lead or a two-point lead and because the other team can't st- stop the clock, they just take a knee for the last mm-hmm. two or three downs. Kind of the same concept when you really think about it. Larry McReynolds is our guest. You've been at the forefront of technology with the teamwork you do at Fox. You see this a year or two in advance. You heard about you the gopher cam, the, the drones, the fly, everything that you've seen that we didn't know about until we saw it. When I tuned in, and I was traveling, I was away, but when I got into the race, it looked better. I just thought the, the contact, the cameras side-by-side side during the race was better than I remember it. Is that fair to say? What was the evolution this time coming into the great American race when it came to cameras and technology that you can bring us uh, privy to and tell us what happened there? Yeah, I, I mean, Artie Kempner is our director. Artie has been with Fox for much longer than we've been doing NASCAR, and this is the 24th year with Fox. He's been a football director well back into the 90s, he was with CBS, and he joined Fox, and he has basically directed almost every race that Fox has done since we first started coming on board in 2001. And we're always trying to get the shots better. We're trying to capture it a little better. Uh, we came back with a camera this year that was much better quality than we had several years ago. 
called the gyro cam. And what the gyro cam does, it's inside the car. It kind of gives the, the viewer, the fan, an idea of, of what the driver is feeling when they go off in that corner in that 31 degrees of banking. You know, we now have the rear spoiler cam, which is basically a camera mounted behind the right rear corner of the rear spoiler, and it gives you that 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 feeling and that concept of just how close these guys are running to each other at well over 190 miles per hour. You know, we didn't reinvent the wheel this year with any cameras, with any camera shot, but every year they work on trying to get a shot that's a little better, that takes that that viewer, that fan inside that race car and gives you a really a good feel from the, because the camera shot is what gives the fan the feeling of what's going on. And, and that's what Artie Kempner and everybody that works on this that they've tried to do year after year. Hey, Larry Mack, on a different topic, I know you're a big college football fan, Alabama fan. They came out with the 12 playoff today, official. The four conference, the elite conference teams, the power conferences will get the one through four seed. Team like Notre Dame that's independent can't get a top four, even if they're the number one team out there. But as a Bama fan, you can't be worried now if you lose to Georgia in that conference championship game that you're not going to get into the final four. I think Roll Tide's going to be safe with this new format of 12 for decades to come. Am I right? Well, I'd like to think so. You, you know, we, we've got a, a big variable, as we all know, headed into 2024. You know, the man that has, has brought us the last six national championships, retired Nick Saban. But I really like this Kalen DeBoer that we have hired from Washington. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to do an amazing job. I think of all the coaches that were available, he probably goes up to the top of the sheet, at least in my book. I had no idea this man would even consider leaving Washington. But whether we have a 14 playoff, a 12-team playoff, or a 32-team playoff, right now in my book, and I think this is one thing that drove Nick Saban away, college football is broke. Between the NIL, between the portal, and all the stuff going on, I don't know who let this thing get off the tracks as bad as it is. But it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not pretty. It's pretty ugly to me. I mean, Lane Kiffin, the head coach for Ole Miss, was a coordinator at Alabama. I watched his press conference four days before his bowl game. And he said, we have not even played our last game. And I got six players that's already entered the portal. Mm. It's, it's broke. And it's broke bad. And, and they can work on the playoffs all they need to work on, but they need to work on this portal and this NIL. I'm all for kids making money for their name and their image, their likeness. But when you got quarterbacks playing college football that's making more money then a quarterback that started in the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy, something is broke. Something is not right. Excellent point. Larry, how can everybody find you on social media, the TV shows? We know what you're doing on SiriusXM and clearly get up to speed on NASCAR quickly to start the season coming off the Great American Race. Well, pretty much if it moves in the first half with Cup or Xfinity, you'll find me on Fox or on FS1, Race Hub, of course, Monday through Friday. 6 o'clock Eastern time on FS1. I normally do one or two shows a week on that. As you mentioned, the on-track Sirius XM NASCAR radio show with Daniel Trotta, 11 a.m. Eastern time on Channel 90, Monday through Friday. Follow me on Twitter, or they call it X, I guess, these days, 
at Larry Mac 28 or on Instagram, Larry Mac 28. And, uh, I try to, to do a good job interacting with our fans and our, our viewers and listeners. Thank Larry. Good to catch up with you again. Thanks for the recap. Appreciate you. No, appreciate you guys. You'll never, you really do appreciate what you guys do. Appreciate Larry Mack jumping in. Great to get him. Busy guy. You can catch him on Fox Sports 1, Race Hub. Does a nice job. And, again, I think I, I think 20 years. I've been going to the Daytona 500 back when I started at Fox Sports Radio. The first time I went, I went there with an open mind, and it changed my life. I fell in love with the Daytona 500. I've been to six or seven of them. I've been to a couple of races at Daytona. I remind everybody here, our vast audience, go to NASCAR. It's here in town. Please go. Jeff Motley and the entire team over there at the track, the Las Vegas Motor Speedway, put on great events. Pick a driver, go in, listen to the noise, listen to the excitement, be a part of the tailgating. And for me, it's the perfect sport to get me from the end of Raider season to the NBA finals or the start of baseball. I love NASCAR. It's not what it used to be over maybe the last five to ten years, but when it's on Fox, and as Larry Mack talked about with all the technology, all the new camera angles and what they do, it's fantastic. I put it on my DVR, and then it didn't tape on Monday, so I had to go back on YouTube and watch some of the race and look at a couple of different angles there before the interview. But I love NASCAR, and I can't wait to head out to the Las Vegas Motor Speedway and talk more about that. A quick reminder, YouTube Live tonight, that'll be 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, YouTube Live, JT the Brick YT on YouTube. Q coming up at the top of the hour. Don't miss him. He has a big show lined up with a lot happening in the Raider offseason. I didn't ask Q about what he's doing yet with the Combine, but I know we're going to have big in-depth team coverage. The Raiders are heading to the Combine in Indianapolis, and we'll have it all covered here with all that great content on Raider Nation Radio. JT on a beautiful night heading into what I think is going to be an interesting offseason for the Silver and Black the draft, the combine before that, franchise tags, and free agency with all that cap space. I like what I'm seeing here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. This is Raider Nation Radio. Our vision is clear, win a division, get into the playoffs, and host that Lombardi Trophy. That's not a promise. That's our vision. Our philosophy is simple. It's real simple. It's the right away. Pride, poise, poise, passionate, a love for the game, and just win. It starts with our DNA, ill intent, physicality. Toughness, speed, attitude, full-blown Max Crosby effort. Antonio Pierce, he speaks a big game and he backs it up. That's why I like him as the head coach of the Silver and Black. Uh, the news is trending today. The top headlines at ESPN.com. And welcome back, everybody. We are brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. Thanks to everything Remy Martin did for us as they helped us put on our show live from the Super Bowl from Radio Row. We thank Remy Martin for all their great support. So the two headlines at ESPN.com, when I have this show, and if you were able to watch earlier, the first hour I had the live stream, 
I got a couple of computers here in my studio at home, and I have ESPN.com up, and I have Yahoo Sports. Those are the two I use. Plenty of other sports websites. I read 10 newspapers every day. Been doing that as my crutch my entire career. It used to be USSportsPages.com. Las Vegas Review Journal is one sports page I read every day. I don't read every story about high school sports or this one, but I, I scan 10 papers. And Justin Fields today is big. Justin Fields to the Raiders potentially is big and trending out there because we are now in the offseason. Not just the Raiders, it's the NFL. I please beg everyone to understand that I'm covering the NFL and the Raiders, not the Raiders. It's the Raiders and the NFL. And Dan Graziano today and Mike Tannenbaum with Russell Wilson, the Justin Fields propaganda is being released. It's being let out for clicks. ESPN.com needs your clicks. So the story, Fields tired of trade talk, just wanted to be over. Okay, well, I would be that way too if I was Justin Fields. Franchise quarterback, got drafted by a really bad team, the Chicago Bears. We all remember Chicago had the first pick last year. They have the first pick this year. That's not Justin Fields' fault. That is the fault of the Chicago Bears for failing Justin Fields. Just like the Cleveland Browns failed Baker Mayfield, who's doing well now. In certain organizations, remember Ben Roethlisberger got drafted by the Steelers, a great organization. He's going to the Hall of Fame with two Super Bowls. So Justin Fields needs a fresh start somewhere else. So if they can't move Caleb Williams, and that pick, number one, should go to the Bears. If I'm the Bears, I step up and say, Caleb Williams is the best player since Patrick Mahomes. That is fact, not fiction. That isn't a reach. It is. I'm not talking about, you know, going out and looking for a bust and saying, well, well look what happened to Jamarcus Russell. Look what happened to Ryan Leaf. This is not what's going to happen to Caleb Williams. He runs and throws at the level of Mahomes at a higher level at the same age. Do we understand that? That doesn't mean he's going to be as good as Patrick Mahomes. It means he was better at college and they both went to college. Mahomes went to a good school. He didn't go to Ohio State. Justin Fields did. So now Justin Fields needs a better team to land where he can start. He's a starter. He's not a backup. And if he stays in Chicago, they can rebuild the team with the draft picks that they have, the number one pick or they can trade down, give a team like the Raiders or another team the opportunity to trade up and get Caleb Williams. It doesn't look like you're going to do that. So in order for Chicago to move Justin Fields, they need a trade partner. So Justin Fields was on the St. Brown Brothers podcast. He cleared the air about not following the Bears. He doesn't follow the Bears anymore on social media, which is really immature. And the NFL's account, after it was discovered Monday, that the quarterback no longer follows his team on Instagram. Quote, why do people take social media so serious, Field said. I still mess with the Bears, this and that. I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollowed the Bears in the NFL. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. That is absolute BS, garbage, immature. And this guy, Justin Fields, could be the quarterback of the Raiders, so I tread lightly. I tread lightly. He could be the quarterback here. I doubt it with Luke Getze. I think that we all agree Luke Getze wanted to get away from Justin Fields, most likely get a fresh start with the Raiders. So Justin Fields went on to say, it's something that I don't want to see on my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess what? Either keep Fields with Fields, we want Fields, draft Caleb. I'm tired of hearing the talk. I just want it to be over. The Bears have the number one pick in the draft. 
So Justin Fields, who's 24 years old, unfollowed the team that pays him his salary. It gives him an opportunity and unfollowed him. That is immature. That is a bad decision. He said he's going on vacation. I just went on a quick vacation. I didn't delete the Raiders. I didn't delete Raider Nation Radio because I didn't want to talk football. You just don't have to look at your phone. So this is just a kid who's starting to break down. He's starting to understand that he's going to get traded. He might get traded to a good team like the Raiders. Raiders are a very good team. They're not elite. They're a very good team. Or Justin Fields might get traded to a, a, to a team that want, might want to use him as a backup. They might want to use him as a backup. I even saw an article today about Justin Fields in the 49ers. Right, Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan, he likes more of a mobile quarterback. So Justin Fields can't handle the heat right now. He's going on a trip. Caleb Williams just went on a trip. I don't think he unfollowed everybody. So these are young guys. We've got to forget the guys who are 21, 22, 23. Hey, everybody, they grew up with social media. We did not. I didn't grow up with it. I didn't grow up with it. The first social media I ever did in my life was MySpace before space, uh, Facebook. Facebook changed my life in a lot of different ways, wink, wink, because I was smart enough to see Facebook coming. But social media, I'm on Twitter, I'm on YouTube now trying to do live feeds to keep my brand out there. My brand isn't a starting quarterback in the league. So this kid is starting to crack. He's starting to crack. And I'm not going to rip him for it because I don't know the kid. But the kid got screwed by going to the Bears. Every quarterback since Jim McMahon has failed with the Bears pretty much. Okay, it's not a place where you want to go to. You're not successful in our career's lifetime if you go to the Bears, which is remarkable because the Bears are a major market. You're not successful if you go to Carolina. You know, there's been some... Cam Newton was successful. He played in the Super Bowl, but, you know, more, more times than not, if you go to a franchise that doesn't win and you're a top draft pick, your career is going to die. Baker Mayfield just had a resurgence in Tampa Bay. What if Baker Mayfield initially went to a really good team? Would we be talking about Baker Mayfield as an elite quarterback? Yes, he has elite type of skill set, and I believe that Justin Fields does. So today we talked about Russell Wilson. I just had a clean up on Twitter. I didn't say I want Russell Wilson to go to the Raiders. Mike Tannenbaum said it. Justin Fields is trending here. A lot of people think the fit is the Raiders. I don't think so because of Luke Getze. The quarterback position is going to drive this radio station for three or four months. It's our bread and butter. It's what we got. We have a morning drive show. I'm in afternoons. Q's an evening drive. There's some good things happening around here. We're all going to be based around the quarterback. It does not mean we don't like Aiden O'Connell. It doesn't mean we like other people. We just know that this city is going to thrive with the franchise quarterback who will stabilize the position and put the Raiders in the playoffs if they guess right for years to come. I think Jaden Daniels is the best fit for Antonio Pierce. They're tight. Antonio Pierce likes him like he liked Jack Jones. Antonio Pierce went all in on Jack Jones. How did that work out? Pretty good initially. Uh, Amel Kuyper Jr. just put out his latest mock draft. He has Jaden Daniels going second. Drake May going third. So as we look at the three quarterbacks who are going to go one, two, three, or at least in the top four, it's going to be Caleb Williams, number one, either the Bears, whoever trades up. It's going to be Drake May, most likely, to the Commanders at number two. And then it's going to be Jaden Daniels, most likely at number three, unless Marvin Harrison Jr., who to me is better than Larry Fitzgerald, 
coming out of college. Remember, Larry Fitzgerald was a good player coming out of college. He wasn't Marvin Harrison Jr. That player's at the level of Devontae Adams already in regards to being a prospect that could be the next Devontae. And then Jaden Daniels is going to go third or fourth because he won the Heisman Trophy. He's mobile, he's athletic, and he's fast. The Raiders, at some point, since Rich Gannon, who was not very fast, but he was very mobile, very mobile, very accurate, and he was a leader beyond leaders, the Raiders need a quarterback. Aiden is good. He's really good. If the Raiders get a quarterback in the draft at number 13 or at number 4 or 5, Aiden O'Connell might start the season off before that young gun, that future superstar is ready to play. I'm good with that. And if Kirk Cousins or Baker Mayfield want to test free agency and Tom Telesco's got contacts with their agents and they're available for a fair price to the Raiders, I'm great with Baker Mayfield and Kirk Cousins being the starters for the Raiders. My point being said, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with Josh Jacobs at running back. We're just hoping that the leadership here, which looks really mature, Joe Philbin, Marvin Lewis, mature, Tom Telesco, mature beyond his years, are going to make really responsible decisions with more money than they've had in the past, a little bit of a nice perk with the Jimmy Garoppolo suspension. Jimmy's a great guy. We wish him well. That's going to help out the Raiders getting some more relief with some extra money coming up here. But it's going to be a race. It is going to be an absolute race to get the quarterback and the Raiders will be in the hunt to do it. If they don't do it, it's not because they're scared. It's not because they're worried about giving up draft picks. It's just because it's too expensive, and the Raiders don't want to do something crazy, crazy as this franchise is on the verge, I believe, of being a perennial playoff team. I think that once this team jumps into the playoffs, they're going to stay in the playoffs. The problem with this organization now, the only big one, is Kansas City just won a Super Bowl. They shouldn't have won. They shouldn't have got to the Super Bowl. They should have been beat by Buffalo, Baltimore, or the 49ers. And now that they've won the Super Bowl, they're going for a three-peat, which means they're all in. They're not taking a step back. They're all in to go down as arguably the greatest team of all time. That is a high mountain for the Raiders to climb in one year. I think it's a great time to go get a quarterback. Q's on deck. I'm going to do a live stream tonight, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern. YouTube, JT the Brick YT. Check out what we do. I'm asking everybody to subscribe to YouTube as we build that here, not only on the Raider flagship, but what I'm doing off the air here also. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Thanks to Larry McReynolds and Vinny Bonsignor for joining us. Really enjoyed today. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys.